0: Hi, this is Sheila Jackson, founder of Eve's Lime Productions. For the last decade, I have been uncovering the stories of black women in rock. And while the goal is to bring those stories to you in film, this is a subject that deserves multiple platforms. So welcome to Five Pounds of Rock, a podcast that showcases unique, bold black women from around the globe who have been called to rock music and the rock life. It's a celebration of our freedom, our heritage, our music, and the legacy of our rock roots. Okay, today my guest is Samantha Hollins, also known as Ghetto Songbird, also known as the Culture Rock Griot, (laughs) which we're going to talk more about later too. Uh, welcome to Five Pounds of Rock, the podcast version. The last time we talked, I interviewed you for actually the blog version of po- yeah. Five Pounds of Rock. And that was, it was a minute. It uh-huh. was, I went back and looked. It was 2012.
1: Yes. Wow. Time's live.
0: yeah, Yes. Yeah, so a lot has been going on since then. So you were you were in North Philly then. You didn't have any. I think you were pregnant with your first child, maybe. Actually, or not 12, even number two. Number two, yeah. I, with your second one, yeah. And um, I've just I've admired your career because you know, as a creative, I know what it takes to be an artist and have a family.
1: Yeah.
0: And you are the rare breed of black women in rock who has children. Not mm. one, <laughs> you know, not two, but you have how many? Four.
1: Four of them, yes.
0: <laughs> yeah. So that that's amazing. I mean, but your husband is actually in your band too, right? He's He's yeah. actually a musician as well.
1: Yes, he's my drummer.
0: Wow. So you have a rock a rock family. How have you been able to to balance and maintain? I mean that just is the obvious question for me. how have you been able to balance and maintain uh, through the years as an artist and to stay creative? and be a mom and all that that takes
1: maintaining is something i do every day i take it day by day because different things come at you each day especially when i'm on tour what i have to do is kind of get the children involved because of course my husband's involved and if we don't involve them then they'll start sidetracking things and Mm -hmm. now actually my seven-year-old son is in the band he just joined the band this year he's on jim bay his name is jim bay So, yeah, involving them is most important because otherwise I have to kind of like shut down sometimes and focus on them, especially during the school cycle and then come back to it. So when I shut down during the school cycle, it's more so of me um, recharging my energy and creating. And then in the summertime, we go full fledged and then we kind of shut down in the fall again. But I decided this year to homeschool them so we can kind of take them with us and we can stop shutting down. Mm hmm.
0: Yeah, I've I've been on that homeschooling path. Really, <laughs> we last we lasted for we lasted for two two years, and my oh. son was like, "Mom, I think I need regulars." Wow. <laughs> and I was thinking to myself, "I think you do too," because <laughs> uh, we were like <laughs> we were going at it at one point, because and it was the age, it was yeah. the nature of the beast too. Yeah. It was just that age, but yeah, it that's not it's not easy, but yeah, I love that. Bringing your family into the fold, you know, bringing the kids into the fold so that they got skin in the game. Yeah. (laughs) You know, they love it
1: themselves.
0: (laughs) That's amazing. So, you know, when we, when we first spoke, I was asking you about where your name came from. And I was reading that interview and the ghetto songbird. And you said that, you know, I know you, came up in North Philly yeah. and you said every morning you used to listen to a songbird that sang the most inspiring songs that a young black ghetto girl could hear amid gunshots and everyday city life. Yeah, And you said you named yourself after that bird that the creator sent to you in hopes that everywhere that you land, you could be a song of hope playing on someone's eardrums. And I just thought that was, I had to bring that into this conversation because I love that about about you because that's the one thing that's always impressed me about you is your heart.
1: Mm-hmm. And,
0: you know, I know you started out writing to hip hop beats and and that sort of thing. How has your music evolved over the years, especially through building a family, bringing your husband into the fold, you know, marrying your drummer, bringing your kids into the mix, you know, and you've been in the game for a, a while now. How mm-hmm. has your music evolved?
1: I think when I first started out, I was more so using my pedals just to rock out, making noise. I understood melody very well, but I knew when I would go into my own communities, they would shy away from those hardcore sounds. So I kind of like mixed it with the wah, and I played around with the wah-wah and other sounds just to get a balance that my community would appreciate. But then I would go out into the rock clubs, and it would be totally different, so I started rocking out. But then I would travel and I would understand that different sounds would work in different cities and I always wanted to make sure that my music would be comfortable wherever I went. And then culturally I've grown too. So culturally I've added that on top of the rock because I understand where it actually comes from now. At the beginning I didn't quite know everything about where rock music came from. Now I understand that, and I want to make sure I keep those elements alive in my music. So I think it's very strong in culture and that blues foundation now more than it was before.
0: Hmm. Wow. And you said, what do you mean by you said you want your music to be comfortable in every, you know, in the different cities that you play in? How do you make those? What does that look like? How do you adjust
1: I want everyone to have fun. Like if I go to Detroit, I'm going to study a little Detroit sound and add that in there. If I go to LA, I'm going to study some LA type of vibes and make sure that's in there. If I go to Africa, I'm going to study those sounds and make sure that is in there. I want to make sure that I'm able to relate and communicate in the language language that I'm I'm in, in the presence of. Hmm.
0: Yeah, and that makes a lot of sense. So you that took you into into study so that's maybe is that how the culture rock griot came into being when did you get started kind of exploring that history
1: i think it kind of started with me in my career it's just it was natural for me it's not anything that i just started doing because as a black woman in rock you're constantly being challenged about your place and where you belong and where you don't belong so i would sing certain songs in my set like a a song by Tina Turner. I would add little pieces in there and other Black women in rock just to make sure that we were educated as we were performing and educating others as we were performing. And the more that I would do that, the more I started thinking about developing different spaces and places. And one of the first spaces that I developed was called Wingdom Fest in Philadelphia around 2005 to 2008, I believe. And we would bring in like if there was an artist in town p funk for instance they were in town we see how we can get them to come and be at the show so we can pay homage to them and we were able to get george clinton there we were able to get the wilson brothers from mandrill lloyd smith from the Barkays and mm-hmm. at that point i still didn't quite get what i was doing i was just doing it so when i went to london and i went to africa I started connecting the diaspora with my culture and my studies. When I came back here and the pandemic happened, I realized that I wanted to make it something more. And I didn't know quite how to do that at that point. But then I started posting about different things for the blues artist happy birthday to this blues artist, happy birthday to this rock artist. And it became more, and I decided to compile everything and make it the culture of Agria. And it was just um, a platform on social media at first. But then it turned into a publication.
0: Yeah, and I really, I'm enjoying it and I'm learning about, because the one thing I've been exploring even more so is the global community of Black women in rock. You know, it's not just the people that we're seeing here in the States. And, you Mm -hmm. know, I, I really credit Afropunk with the festivals going international. To just kind of bringing, yes. creating a space for the international community of black rockers where you could actually see people perform and that sort of thing. And now there's other platforms, of course. Yeah. And I you posted something the other day about rockers in Kenya.
1: A lot of um, Kenya um, scene I've been connecting with for about a few years now. And I was actually supposed to go to Kenya before the pandemic to do a guitar workshop over there. So I was already communicating with them about coming over here and possibly doing shows, which I'm still in communication with. So I love to study before I go. And that rock scene is enormous, it's awesome. You have metal, you have punk, you have grunge, you have just something that you might call just alternative because you don't know quite where to put it because their sounds, their cultural sounds are embedded in that rock sound.
0: I, I love that now there's more of a global conversation because, you know, when I first started interviewing black women in rock and I always tell this story, you know, there was no, it was, it was right after Afro punk, the movie, mm-hmm. but there was no Afro punk, the social media, I mean, social community online, yes. really, there was none of that. Yes. And people did not know that each other existed. yeah. People were just in their own vacuums all over the world, all over the United States, even in each other's backyards. And, you know, like I said, I would ask black women in rock, how many do you think are out there? And they go, one, Mm -hmm. me, or maybe five, like 25 would be my highest response. And there's so much power in community. So I I know the feeling of looking now and seeing, you know, the Nova Twins and, you know, all yeah. these other groups kind of pop yeah. up all over the world and seeing black women in rock in the states connect with them. Yeah. So that's why I was excited to see the folks in Kenya. Is do you think that music is inspired is somebody studying that history and knowing about the djembe and all of that? Do you see a African a africa root in rock music.
1: Oh yes. I just interviewed a band from Niger and their sound reminds me so much of what we call the blues. Those sounds mm-hmm. are all over african music and I believe that our ancestors carried it over here with us and we never forgot it. It's still in us and that's why when You hear what they're doing versus what we're doing. It's very similar. No one's trying. We're just being because it's all in us. And it's all from our travels here to the USA or wherever we are in a diaspora. And then they watch us on TV or hear us on the radio. However, they've been able to communicate and learn about us. And they feed off of that energy as well. So I believe that it's all interchanged. But that root is definitely that drum. You hear it in all of our music. Mm Mm-hmm.
0: I think that's amazing because, you know, the thing is I always laugh, you know, I have a dance background and when I look at hip hop dance and even, even the crip walk, Mm -hmm. and then I go look at, you know, videos of children in Africa dancing,
1: it's the same stuff. When I was in (laughs) Botswana, I danced with some of the sand people and they had me doing Mm -hmm. this leg dance that definitely reminded me of the crip walk. Mm Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, and I, you know, and I, I'm a, I've, I'm a, I've done ten years plus of African dance. Mm-hmm. I used to be an African dance troupe, wow. and it's like that. And I still do. I just started doing it again now, and it just always amazes me, the feeling of it's just something that comes natural for me, yeah. like it's just in my body. And you know that DNA that we just brought it here with us. We think that we're creating something new, and mm-hmm. our ancestors you know, it's it's like direct, yes. you know, direct uh passage from the ancestors. Yes. And I was just wondering how that what that looked like in terms of rock. So it goes back to the blues root, yes. the blues sound yes. in Niger. That's amazing. Yes. Yeah, so how has and I mean I know as a culture rock griot, this is one way your career has evolved, but how has your Music evolved post pandemic. Well, not po- post George Floyd mm. and and in the pandemic, because this has been a lot of time. You know, as I talk to Black women in rock and and just creatives in general, this has been a time to write, a time to you know just kind of let life marinate mm. and really come out with you know even deeper expressions of kind of where you're at. You know, with your music Mm -hmm. and that sort of thing. How has this impacted you and your music? For me,
1: I've been going nonstop for 20 years. So for me, I decided to take Mm -hmm. a break. I never had Mm -hmm. the chance to really sit down and plan what I wanted to do. I just kept going from one situation to the next situation and dealing and combating everything that I had to combat from racism to sexism, any ism you can think of, it was there even Mm -hmm. other folks in my community trying to get me out of the way and sabotage me. So it's been a lot of stress I didn't realize that I had on me over the years. So I needed to take that time and just really go within and find that creative voice. But what I do realize on Thursdays and Fridays, I would post like the throwback Thursday or the flashback Friday just to keep Things moving on my social media platforms, and I realized mm-hmm. post George floyd and post pandemic that folks were actually getting into my words and my music more before it seemed like people were just wanting to get connected with that party type of music, whatever nothing too deep. but now I realize that my lyrics actually are being listened to more mhm,
0: yeah, and that that's important and because I think people are looking for those like-minded, the like-minded tribe kind of tribe Mm -hmm. building in these times of who shares my values, who's thinking like me, who who saw what I saw, who just witnessed what I witnessed and feels the way I feel about it. I think people are out there searching for it. And it's amazing, you know, just the way that Black folks in particular, you know, have embraced social media. And we're able to really utilize that to to share information and, you know, to celebrate, to mourn and everything else. Exactly. You know, how have you seen the journey of, or do you, how, in what ways do you think the journey of black women in rock has evolved over the years? Do you think black women in rock are kind of in the same space?
1: Uh, We're definitely more visible because of the platforms and Mm -hmm. we're given a lot more, but I, I'm very careful of taking certain things that are given to us because I don't want us to come to the point where we're trendy and a fetish to the point where they're giving us all types of things just to use our gifts to promote their products and stuff like that. So I'm kind of like, because I've been in it so long, I can kind of see that, yeah, there's a shift, but I believe a shift in a sense of trendy and fetish, and I'm not liking that. And of course, everyone's not going to see what I see. You got to go on your own journey and realize certain things. But I'm kind of watching that go down right now. And I hope that it can, that trendy thing can fade away. It can be prominent because it's great and it belongs there. Not because it's a trend. But I do feel like things are still kind of the same because we're not getting the money that we deserve. Mm -hmm. You can give us things and you can give us covers and all that stuff, but when does the money go up? And when do we start headlining at um, stadiums and even smaller venues? That's when I'll say that the change is happening when I see stuff like that happening.
0: Yeah, because the thing is, you know, and I've always thought that what Black women in rock want has to have evolved over the years you know because in the background this whole time the music industry has been unraveling yeah or I'll say transforming yes. you know with the out with the old and and who knew what the new looks like i think they're still trying to figure yeah. out what that looks like so there's a lot of of movement and transition happening in the mainstream you know traditional music industry and in the meantime i think we're at this interesting kind of intersection where black women in rock have had to up their game the whole time to find your audience to find ways to connect with your Mm -hmm. audience to find unique ways to to engage and create and you know without mainstream resources and audiences and and create a career path for yourself and a life for yourself in rock music and now those skills i think have put some folks ahead of the game mm. you know yes. i think right now so i think it's an interesting moment right now Yes,
1: i believe artists like her now even though she mm-hmm. um has a she reminds me of prince because she has a balance between r&b and she can rock out too and she could be quite Um, trendy, but at the same time, very original at the same time. I Mm -hmm. think people seeing her will definitely continue to open up doors for the ones that's been pounding on those doors for a long time. You can't forget them just because they're not being offered the deals or whatever. Like Honey Child Coleman, I adore her. She's been here for a long time. She's been the underground. You know, people go to the underground to get what's going on out there and push out the new. So all these artists that's been out there for a long time actually are the ones who opened that door for the generation that's out there doing what they're doing to the degree that they're doing right now. Mm-hmm. So I always say homage <laughs> to those sisters.
0: Yeah, yeah, and Honey Child has been around for a really long, for a long time. I won't say really long.
1: <laughs> but they won't, they won't let you know that someone like her has shifted things. They just take it on the low and keep it moving. Mm-hmm. But she, I believe she shifted something. I believe all of us who've been around for a while has shifted something. It's just they don't allow our shift to be heard or seen. Right, right.
0: Yeah, it's that, you know, making it invisible factor, Very. you know. And um, yeah, I think that this is the messages and the music and like you said, people really hearing your lyrics right now that people are looking for more powerful messaging and music. And I think that's going to send more people in the direction of black women in rock as they look for alternative music that Mm is more satisfying, that's more grounding, you know, and I, I just think it's important to give exposure to this music that is just, it's our root, you know, It's just it's the root for me because it just hits that blues and just the you know, leaving it all on the table, you know, exactly (laughs) kind of performances and experience.
1: Yeah. So
0: in terms of sharing the culture and you know, seeing yourself as kind of that culture rock griot, and you've been looking at black women in rock over the years. Who do you think are kind of the new up and coming people to watch right now?
1: You mentioned the Nova twins already Mm -hmm. out of the UK, out of Africa, assisted by the name of Clay in Nigeria, the United States. I'm seeing Guitar Gabby all over the place. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Where else? There's so many of us. It's it's a, it's a lot. Of, it's a lot. You know, the difference between then and now, then you would say a handful of people, but now there's a lot. Even Melina Moy, I mean, Jackie Vinson, there's a lot now. Mm-hmm. Back then it was only like one in each segment of the world. But now there's a handful all over the world. Actually more than a handful.
0: How many, if you could take a guess, how many black women in rock would you say there are
1: Globally. Mm. Globally, I would go as far as to say a million. And you know why I say such a high number? Because every day there's someone teaching a young black girl how to play the guitar and she's rocking out to it, whether she does it as a career or she's just doing it on the open mic scene. But there's it's multiplying the numbers are multiplying stronger than ever before, and I'm seeing it because I've seen the, um, teachers online teaching a whole bunch of young girls at the same time. There's a young lady by the name of Melanie Fay teaching young girls guitar, and she's really amazing. I think she's more R&B, but I hear her rock out too. Mm-hmm. So we're learning in droves now. Before, they would say that you we shouldn't play that instrument, that we shouldn't rock, that um we shouldn't even be seen in those scenes. But because of, like I said, the Honey Child Coleman's, it's okay now to be Pick up a guitar, be seen in those scenes, and even if someone tells us not, we're gonna certainly must say, "Yo, I'm still doing it." Right. <laughs> so, as no one listening to their parents, mom said, "I'm not. I can't do it. I can't do it." Those days are over. Hmm.
0: Yeah. So, what do you? What can people expect from your music? Do you have anything coming out? Are you still? Are you shifting your focus still?
1: I actually just finally had a meeting about finally recording after all these years. For those who know me, they know that I'm not a studio person. I'm more of a live performer and I mm-hmm. liken myself to the old school blues artist. You just travel and do what you do for the love of what you do. And the reason I chose that path is because i I was introduced to the industry early in my career, and I didn't like a lot with what was going on what they told me like I couldn't have my face on the album cover, that I should hire an all white band. It was just so much to it that I kind of just disappeared out of the industry thing, so I just focus on performing now I'm gonna finally focus on recording all that music that I've written over twenty years, and it'll start in the next month or so.
0: Oh wow. So that's gonna be a powerful
1: album. Yeah, I can't <laughs> wait <laughs> well albums
0: <laughs> yeah, that, yeah, yeah albums, make,
1: plural, yeah, I'll finally make a discography and stop being stubborn. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, it's time to share, you know to share it and have it where people can have I, it would be a wonderful kind of compilation of of history,,
1: Ooh, thank you. You know,
0: that. with everything that you have to bring to to your writing and all the experiences and lessons and travels and you know, all the things that have impacted, you know, you yeah, to so bring to the album. That's exciting to think about.
1: Yeah, thank you.
0: Wow. So thank you for joining me. And I anyone who wants to find Ghetto Songbird or, you know, just check out your own get, get Ghetto Songbird on Instagram. And just to keep up with just learning about Black women in rock around the world is Culture. Is it The Culture Rock Griot or Culture
1: yes,
0: Rock Yes, The Culture Rock The Culture Rock Griot, the culture, right, yeah, the culture rock <laughs> griot which is G-R-I-O-T. And it's on Instagram. And I love following you. Love seeing those posts. And I look forward to more music from you and just more, more rock, a pound of rock to you.
1: <laughs> thank you. And thank you so much for what you do, because I've been following you for a very long time and your platform actually inspired the things that I'm doing with the Coach of Rock Rio. I mean, I've never thought to do a blog, it never crossed my mind. And thinking about the things that I've done over the years, I believe it all comes together and it shapes who we are and what we decide to do next. And you're very, you're very influential and I'm grateful and thankful for you and what you do.
0: Thank you. Thank you. Have a wonderful, wonderful week. And I can't wait to hear what comes next. (laughs) Thank you. Peace. Thanks for listening to Five Pounds of Rock, a production of Eve's Line. For more information, visit evesline.com or blackwomeninrock.com. And to hear the music of these artists, check out the Black Women in Rock playlist on Spotify.